Welcome to Faith, Love, and Therapy, a podcast to inspire and encourage. I'm your host, Jamie Johnson. I'm a clinical social worker working in the field of mental health for the last 10 years. I believe this podcast is God-inspired and will be God-led. Thank you so much for joining me as we peel back the layers of mental health and our faith. If you'd like to reach out to us here at Faith, Love, and Therapy, please email us at faithlovetherapy at gmail.com. Again, that's faithlovetherapy at gmail.com. Today, I'd like to talk a little bit about the topic of anxiety. Um, I have heard recently, more recently, I'd say, several, um, I'd say, sermons, discussions, more people talking about anxiety uh, than I've probably heard in several years in the past. Not that it hasn't been around, but it has become something that I think we're talking more about, especially due, due to the pandemic and the things that are happening um, in our country. So anxiety, I want to start with kind of the clinical perspective of, of anxiety. I don't want to start with um, just what we've heard, but really looking at it from the clinical perspective. So anxiety is a normal reaction to stress, and it can also be beneficial in situations. So we know that anxiety can alert us to dangers. It helps us to prepare, helps us to pay attention. Anxiety dis disorders differ uh, because they are not normal feelings, not normal nervousness or normal anxiousness, they involve an excessive fear or an excessive anxiety. Anxiety disorders are the most common of mental health disorders and it affects probably 30% of adults at some point in their lives. It doesn't mean that we'll always be, always have anxiety, always struggle with anxiety, but in some point in our lives, most of us have experienced a season of anxiety. Anxiety disorders are treatable. Uh, the number one effective uh, treatments are medication and psychotherapy, psychotherapy being talk therapy. So treatment is available and it is it does help most people lead a normal and productive life. There are, I'd say, various types of anxiety disorders. Seven to nine percent have what would be considered a specific phobia. So they are specifically um afraid of something. It could be spiders. It could be going outside. It could be um, something specific. So it's a specific phobia. Seven to nine percent of the population have experienced that, while seven percent have what would be considered a social anxiety disorder. Two to three percent experience a panic disorder, which is a bit more ex uh, extreme in how the body responds. Two percent struggle with an agoraphobia, another 2% generalized anxiety disorder, and 1% to 2% probably struggle with a separation anxiety disorder. It is more common to see women struggle with anxiety than men, but it doesn't mean that it isn't present. There are many men who struggle with anxiety. I think uh, we, things tend to be a little skewed because women are more comfortable I'd say asking for help and talking about their anxiety than men have been uh, historically. So anxiety typically refers to anticipation of a future concern, um, and it's more associated with what happens in the body as well as avoidant behavior. So we have muscle tension, the breathing may change, there may be sweating, there may be shaking, but then we get engage in some avoidant behavior where we don't engage with what we are afraid of, whether it is making decisions, whether it is being in crowds, whether it is um, speaking in public, whether uh, it's you know, uh, going on dates, uh, going in certain environments, so all of those things produce a bit of anxiety for some people. But when we talk about an anxiety disorder, it has to be a certain level of uh, extreme and intense behavior that really 
prohibit someone from living the life that they would really like to live uh, or function at a way that is healthy. So fear is uh, associated with anxiety, but fear is a normal emotion. It's an emotional response to an immediate threat. And it's more associated with like that fight or flight. We see, we hear fight, flight, or freeze. Um, so those are typical reactions where we either, we're ready to respond, we're ready to fight, uh, we're ready to leave through escape. And there are some people that uh, struggle and they freeze and they really can't do much of anything. And that's, that, those are typical responses when we experience fear. Um, anxiety disorders cause people to try to avoid situations that trigger or worsen their symptoms. And that could be, you know, it could worsen their job performance, it could worsen their schoolwork, their personal relationships can also be affected. In general, for uh, people diagnosed with anxiety disorder, the fear or anxiety must be out of proportion to the situation or it's not an age-appropriate response. So um, we all may see, I'll take spiders because, you know, sometimes we have a little response to certain bugs we all may see a bug and, and jump or like um, have a response of not wanting it to touch us or be near us. Um, but there are people that may respond in a way that is so intense that it causes a disruption or they're really unable to function in that moment. They um, become uh, excessively emotional. They may cry, burst into tears. They may shake. They may get on the ground. And that response is not typical for just fear. So that would be more of an anxiety. Also, when someone is diagnosed with anxiety, they ha it has to hinder the ability to function normally. So they cannot um, function in a way that is necessary for their day-to-day -day living. So there are several types of um, anxiety disorder that I've mentioned, generalized anxiety disorder, uh, panic disorder, specific phobia, agoraphobia, social anxiety disorder, separation anxiety disorder. All of these things have to be um, diagnosed. So this isn't something most of us, you know, like to look up our symptoms on the internet and say, this is what we have and tell everybody that that's what we're diagnosed with. It is necessary um, because there are criteria that a therapist or a psychologist or, or um, counselor will go through and make sure that you are meeting that criteria. And it's not for a sense of um, labeling or to tell you that you have this or to make you feel um, bad, but it really is to help with treatment. So it helps the therapist to know what type of anxiety you're dealing with uh, so that they know what path to take. Uh, when it comes to talk therapy, one of the most common, commonly used approaches would be cognitive behavioral therapy, which is CBT. Um, and that really just looks at your thoughts, your feelings, and behaviors. So a therapist will assist you with the thoughts that are triggering certain feelings and how those feelings cause you to behave. And through the process of working with a therapist, you will learn how to, one, identify the thoughts that are, that are triggering you challenge those specific thoughts like we talked about in the last uh, episode really look at the feelings that are produced from them and, and that includes like physically how you're responding to um, what you're being triggered by and then the behaviors that come with it so if it is you know the the fight or the flight uh, I'm sorry if it's you know the excessive response of you know shaking or um, crying whatever happens then those are the things that the therapist will help you help you to begin developing a bit of um, what would be considered coping skills to address that specific anxiety. 
another thing that people should remember when they engage in therapy is that it's not a process that you go three sessions and you are better. So um, the therapist will help you with specific strategies. Those strategies have to be practiced. I can't tell you the number of people that um, are in therapy and say, well, I don't think it's working. And, you know, I'll say, well, what, what did you do this week when you were triggered? And they said, well, I mean, I didn't really do anything, but I realized that I was triggered. You're in therapy for, for probably if you go weekly, it's an hour a week. There's so much time that you are spent by yourself and needing to engage in strategies and coping skills that um, you actually have to practice. It's like any other muscle. It's like, you know, when you go to the gym and need to build, you know, whatever muscle that you need to build that specific day, you have to work on that. You have to do the reps. You have to continue to put in the time and the effort to uh, grow that specific muscle. So when it comes to your mental health, that has to be a routine um, process where you are really growing that particular skill to help you to deal with the triggers consistently. And it's difficult because we, you know, I think sometimes we feel stronger in the area of being able to physically get better. Um, but when it comes to our mind, there's so much that the mind impacts and controls that we can easily be overwhelmed by our symptoms. So being able to really identify um, those symptoms, being able to know the thoughts that we're having and the feelings, and then consistently putting in effort to change the direction that we're going in uh, is important. So how does that connect with our spirit man? How does that connect with our, 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 um, our spiritual self? Well, one, don't ever think that having anxiety uh, means that there's a problem or that you can't uh, approach things from a, a spiritual perspective. I think that the two need to align. Even if you're in therapy, even if you're on medication, um, but you also need to deal with what's going on in the spirit. There's so many scriptures, so many scriptures, where literally the Lord or um, whoever, whoever uh, the author of that particular scripture is, um, or that particular book, is talking about anxiety and most times anxiety and fear the number of times that anxiety and fear appear in the bible is numerous so that tells me that the lord already knew that we were going to struggle with this we there were going to be things that we were going to encounter that were going to cause us to be anxious um, there's you know when you go into one of the major one of the main scriptures that a lot of people quote philippians 4 and 6 be anxious for about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There is instruction in that particular scripture. Please understand, if you have a clinical anxiety, along with your treatment, along with your therapy, along with your uh, medication, if that's the route you choose to go, there are there's a word to be able to consistently refer to to encourage you th through that particular process. Philippians 4 and 6 reminds us that everything that we are experiencing, everything that we are anxious about, everything that we are worried about, because we like that word more than we like anxiety. We'll say I'm worried or I'm, I'm concerned. Um, so we'll use worry. We'll use concern. Everything that we are worried about, we are instructed to take it to God in prayer, to make our requests known to him then to give thanks knowing that he hears it and he's going to address it. I think that there have been, just in, in the field while I've been in there, there have been several people that I've heard say it's hard to pray when I'm anxious. 
Um, and, and I can understand that because anxiety produces so much overthinking, like racing thoughts. It's hard to get clarity. It's hard to slow down. It's hard to take a moment to really start to talk to God for some of us. Um, and that's why, you know, I say the two have to line up because there's this process in therapy um, of a technique called grounding. grounding. And, and so there are physical ways to ground. There are mental ways to ground. There are emotional ways to ground. Really, it's saying you're bringing your emotional self back to center. It's a way of uh, taking care of your emotional core. So, you know, I, I guess I always use the gym, not that I'm necessarily there that often, but the core work that people talk about when they're in the gym, they're doing the core work. It's that, that uh, center part of us that is important that we need to make sure that um, we are focused on and that we it helps everything else move in an alignment and um, stay strong. So the same happens with our emotional self. There's an emotional core. And if we could bring ourselves back to that space, we can slow things down. The heartbeat will slow down. The, the racing thoughts may slow down, may not stop, but slow down. We want to get to a space where we can calmly um, begin to talk to God. And there are moments where we're just crying out to God because we can't calmly you know, reach out to him. And that's fine, too. But grounding allows us to slow down. When we're in our moment of anxiety and crisis, being able to call on these scriptures, being able to recite these scriptures, being able to remember uh, the presence of God is with us in that moment allows us to come back to center, allows us to remember that I can pray about this specific situation and God hears that prayer and he's I'm going to give thanks knowing that he's going to do something about it. Um, there is so much connected to how we feel and, and whether or not we trust God and, and that in our issues with control and anxiety if we really broke down, you know, feeling anxious about the future, if we really broke down those that worry about, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with my future. I don't know how so-and-so is going to respond. I don't know. There's a whole thing of the fear of the unknown. And as for those of us that are believers, part of our walk is that we are walking in faith, not by sight. We don't know. We don't know a good portion of what uh, is going to transpire for us. There are some things that we do know, but there are some things that God doesn't show us, you know, until we get there. And then we have the opportunity to give thanks then. But part, a, a big part of our walk is blind, is blind in a way. It's, it's, it's with faith. It's not necessarily with natural sight. We don't see every step of the way. So we do have to be able to trust God in a way that we are willing to pray about everything that we come in come in contact with everything that we worry about I mentioned the issue of control I think it was on uh, an episode of uh, I don't know if it was fix my life it was with Iyanla and she had said something about um, feeling like control was the new addiction and that hit me because when I you know think about um, myself or I think about friends or I think about um, clients there is this issue with not being in control when we are not in control of a situation or not in control of an outcome, it sends many of us into a state of worry that be can become excessive, can become um, so filled with worry that we are we're frozen or we you know, we've made ourselves sick because we're so worried. You know, you hear people say I'm sick with worry. 
we've we've taken worry because we can't control a specific situation um, to to a level that has is caused us you know fatigue and caused us stress and caused caused us so many issues. So that control is that I need to know, I need to fix it, I need to figure it out. And you know, I often ask, especially for my clients that are believers, I often ask, well, why? Why do you need to know? What would you do? You know, who do you, who are you believing in, or who do you trust? You, or do you trust that things are going to work out? Do you? What do you really believe? Those are questions that we have to ask ourselves. I always. I always encourage people to ask why. I know many of us, you know, when we're children, we grow up and we're not told, we're told not to ask why. Don't ask me why. Um, But learning from, you know, just growing and, and developing our own wellness and mental health, being able to ask why is important. Being able to ask why we do a thing, why we believe something, why we feel a certain way is important because if not, we get into the habit of doing things just because we, and, and then when there's no sense of, rootedness or understanding uh, we tend to feel a little out of control when things don't go our way right so I often ask too why you know why am I struggling to trust that's an important question there are so many things that we can trace back to issues or or experiences that we've had in our life that have caused issues trusting I take this specific topic of um, you know I see a lot of women in 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 therapy and um, a lot of younger women. And so when I really dig into trust issues, there's there are some re- reoccurring themes. I don't want you to think that, you know, everything boils down to these issues, but there are some reoccurring things. There are re- reoccurring um, ch- challenges that these women have had. Many of them, it, you know, started with possibly an absent father. It started with a um, strained relationship with a mother. It started with having um, abusive interactions at a very young age. And so we learned that people were not safe. We learned that life is not safe. And so in order for me to feel like I'm safe, typically I need to have control, right? I need to feel like everything I'm engaged in I have control over because then I will not be hurt or violated. And what that does is it takes a lot of the power. It takes a lot of um, the the connection that, that God has with us when we surrender ourselves. It takes that away and we, we hold on to it in a way that um, it makes it difficult for God to, we don't allow God to do some things because we're still afraid. We're still not trusting. We're still thinking about the things that we've been through. Um, and so past experiences are incredibly important. Healing our past is something that um, I'm hoping more and more people are, are, in, are feeling encouraged to do. But many people think, well, it happened in the past. I can't go back. I can't change it. And I, to a certain extent, I absolutely agree with that. You can't change it. You can't go back. Um, But what I do see is that there is a process where we have to emotionally grow up. We have to come out of that space where the experiences happened. Um, I've asked clients who engage in, you know, avoidant behavior or they don't cope well with conflict or they struggle with relationships. I've asked them, well, how old do you feel when you're arguing? And nine times out of 10, my clients will say an age that is not their chronological age. They'll say, I don't know, I feel like a kid. And I'll say, well, narrow it down. How old do you feel? 
And some of them will say, you know, nine. Some of them will say 13. Some of them will say, I feel 16. And I'll say, well, what was going on when you were nine? What was going on when you were 13? What was going on when you were 16? And I promise you, nine times out of 10, they can remember a significant event at that particular age that stuck with them. And because of that particular event, they are now responding when they are triggered. They are responding in a way that a nine-year-old would respond, a 13-year-old would respond, a 16-year-old would respond. And when they realize that, you know, some people are really, it, it, it takes them aback because you don't want to be considered a child when you're an adult. But we have to understand that our chronological age is not always our emotional age. And because of that, there's a process where we really need to grow our emotional selves up. When we are struggling to, to deal with, you know, or wanting control, we need to look at where we lost control, what age we lost control, and why we're trying to reclaim it in every area of our life that we truly have no control. I, I really think the issue of control is such an illusion that it has us in a space of uh, thinking that we are more than what we are, thinking that we have more control in situations um, than we truly have. And when we, when we get in the process of trying to really relinquish control, and I mean from a place of surrender, not from a place of feeling um, unable or weak, but from a place of surrendering, know, knowing that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. When we truly believe that no matter what happens, if we trust and believe in God and we continue to honor him, I'm not saying we're not doing anything or we're just kind of, you know, letting our life fly by, but we continue to read and learn and grow. Um, God is going to bring all of those things into order. He's a God of order. So when we are anxious in a way, we're saying, I don't trust that you're going to do this for me, God. I don't trust, and this is not a place of judgment. This is this is legit experience. This is, you know, my, I, I have experienced it myself where we tend to try to take control of a situation because we've lost um, maybe a little trust or we started doubting or we started struggling or we started feeling triggered by some experiences that we have not addressed or not dealt with. And we begin to wrestle in our faith because we start to take the seat that, only God should take. We start to take a bit of control and think that we are in charge or that we can do it better than God can. And we don't have to say it. It's, it's uh, evident in our actions. It's not about what we're saying. It's about how we're living. So that issue of control is so connected to feeling anxious for many of us because we want to be able to know, we want to be able to, to control it, we want to be able to fix a situation, we want to be able to know all the answers uh, before they happen. I remember, you know, growing up I, as a, I was probably a young adult, I used to always say, I wish God would just kind of sit down on the edge of my bed and if he could just tell me what he wants and what I need to do and what's coming next, that would be really, really great. Uh, but if that were the case, then I would not have to trust God, which is what he's asked me to do since the day uh, I started this walk with him. So some other scriptures, I want to I want to say Matthew six kind of is that section for don't be anxious. Matthew six, starting with verse twenty five to verse thirty three. It's like it, it really the topic is don't do not worry is really what God is saying in that time. Do not worry. Um, and that's 
scripture after scripture where he shows us, don't be, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to put on your body, where the food is going to come from. And, and he shows us, I take care of the birds in the air. You know, I take care of the animals and, and that we, could we be more important than the animals? You know, I feed them. So please believe that you have more value than that, than they do. Um, and so it's, he reminds us from in those verses that even the little things from the littlest thing to the biggest, he will take care of it. He will clothe us. He will make sure that we are um, taken care of. He will make sure that we are covered. He will make sure that we are cared for because that's how God, how much God values us. And I, I often hear, you know, the rebut- rebuttals like, well, you know, people people lose their homes and people, you know, go through things and people um, people are homeless. And, and and yes, yes, all of those things, all of those experiences happen. It doesn't mean that God is not present. God is not faithful and that God won't turn it around. Um, we all have what's called free will. And so in that free will, we make decisions and no matter what God does, he will save us. But we have we have to still deal with the consequences of our decisions, no matter what. We will always have to deal with the consequences of our decisions. So what am I saying about anxiety? Anxiety is something that can be treated. It's something that if we work alongside our therapist and we work alongside and um, our psychiatrist, if that's what the route we need to go. But we also understand what God is saying to us about being anxious that he's reminding us daily that I wake you up in the morning. I make sure that you are taken care of. I cover you throughout the day because I love you. And so that's something that if we remind ourselves, it helps to, it helps to start relieving the stress that comes from the worry of not knowing when we relinquish the control and get to into a posture of surrender. And I mean, you know, surrendering our will to his will, Trusting that he knows better than we know, trusting and believing that he will do exactly what he says he'll do. And then really dealing with the stuff that we have buried inside of us. There's a lot of stuff that we have that we have not addressed um, that causes anxiety, that causes us to be triggered, that causes, you know, significant response. On the on the other side of that or alongside of that, there are so many service members that struggle with PTSD there are people that are not in the service that struggle with PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. So that, that is a physical and mental response to significant trauma that's occurred in a person's life. And, and so when we, when that is something that we're dealing with, that also has to be treated. That's, that's in that category of anxiety. There's always anxiety alongside of the diagnosis of PTSD always. Um, And there are many people that struggle with that and have said, haven't said anything, but they may be triggered in a certain moment. They may be triggered by a sound. They may be triggered by a smell. They may be triggered by something someone says that reminds of them of a moment. Um, whether it's, uh, from a sexual abuse, a physical abuse, war, um, witnessing violence, domestic violence. There's so many traumatic events that could cause someone to struggle with post-traumatic stress disorder and so we need to be clear when we're saying I'm anxious we need to be clear or I have anxiety we need to understand whether or not we have a clinical anxiety or we are feeling anxious in the moment 
And if we have a clinical anxiety, please seek clinical treatment alongside your word. If it, if it is a physical anxiety where we are struggling and we are fearful and we are worried, we need to ask ourselves some questions. Another strategy that I, I often say uh, that we need to use is, you know, often we're saying, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Answer the question. You know, what if I lose my job? Okay, if I lose my job, I'm going to have to seek assistance. I'm going to have to call for help. I'm going to have to ask, talk to my family. I'm going to have to do something. Finish the, the what if. Stop allowing our thoughts to consume us to a place where we don't, where we lose control in a way that, um, that we, that is unhealthy. And I'm not talking about that control that we, we don't want to give up, but I'm talking about that, uh, that spiraling that we go into, where we allow our thoughts to consume us. So focus on remaining in God's word. Focus on understanding that he is going to always care for us. He's always going to cover us. And he reminds us not to be anxious, not to worry, not to fear so many times because he is God. He knows the beginning and he knows the end. And he's going to help us through this all. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith, Love, and Therapy.